0: Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Safety Group, where we explore topics around operations, leadership, and particularly the role that leaders play in driving safety in their business. My name is Eric Mikrosky, President and CEO of Propolo. Today on our show, I'm delighted to have once again Dr. Josh Williams, He's a partner, human performance and business transformation at Propolo, an absolute guru in the safety space. Thank you for being on the show, Josh. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Josh has a Ph.D. in IO psychology from Virginia Tech. He is one of the pioneers in safety culture with over 20 years of experience in this space with a broad range of clients and industries, ranging from aerospace, pharma, military, oil and gas, utilities, and manufacturing a really diverse group of organizations. He's authored a book. He's co-edited a second one. Uh, he's published over 40 different articles and various publications. Uh, he's also a prize winner, a national prize winner, for the Cambridge Centre on Behavioral Safety. And he has presented over 100 times to some really delighted audiences that we're happy to hear his his story. So really excited to have you here. Uh, We've talked on prior shows about uh, how you got into the safety culture space. Um, Is there an element of why you really got into this space that you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Uh, I kind of touched on it in in some earlier ones. Um, In grad school, Mm kind of moving from maybe traditional ivory tower to a professor, Scott Geller, who many of you may know really is kind of the fountainhead for the psychology uh, of safety. Started working with him, and there was a passion there that was contagious. And part of it is of just the feeling of fighting the good fight. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to do the right thing to make organizations better, more pleasant, and keep people from getting hurt. So that's kind of where the, the why in it uh, is there for me.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's really empowering to know that you spend most of your day, most of your life, making it safer for others, uh, thinking about how other people can come home to their loved ones every day. So I completely agree with what you're sharing there. Today, we're talking about a really, really important topic. Uh, I know both of us are passionate about it It is around safety communication. And it's a a topic that a lot of organizations struggle with. Uh, You've recently authored a quiz uh, which is a novel way to start thinking about how am I doing, how do I compare against some of the leaders in this space, and what actions do I need to take to make a difference? So again, on safety communication, if you want to take that free quiz, no gimmicks, no, nothing that will come out of it other than great insights and ideas, go to zeroharmleadership.com, zeroharmleadership.com. Com. We'll be right back with a couple more questions to understand some of the wisdom that that Josh can share around safety communication. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Safety Group. This is your host, Eric McCroskey. We know how many businesses have been impacted by the current COVID-19 Black Swan event. Propolo has invested all its available capacity to create free resources for leaders on how to navigate this crisis. Whether you would like to explore some of our free tools, subscribe to our free bi-weekly newsletter or seek free advice. I encourage you to visit covidblackswan.com. covidblackswan.com. Propolo has committed not to profit from this crisis in any way. It's our way of giving back to the communities that we serve. Thank you.
0: Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell
1: everyone. A lot of leaders come to me and they ask me, what do I do to really get more meaningful, more impactful communication? Um, they're, they're worried that they keep putting different messages and nobody's listening to the message being sent. Josh, any thoughts on the topic of safety communications to start?
2: yeah, and we can look at it from uh, employee to employee. We can look at it from a, a leader uh, with employees. I think from the leadership side is getting out of this mindset and I think a lot of a lot of leaders do but the mindset is it's not it's not compliance. I mean, we have to have compliance, obviously. But when I, if I'm a leader out there on the floor, I should be asking people well, how are they doing, what do they need, anything scaring them about the job. It should be you know asking questions, trying to get their input, and having a more conversational thing. You can still get your point across if there's an issue that needs to be addressed. You address it. But I think from a leadership perspective, one, get out there more, and two, when you're out there, uh, the, the the more conversational, asking questions, I think the better off we're going to be.
1: I love when you're talking about get out there, spend more time in front of your team members, more time in the field. Um, one of our other uh, colleagues, uh, Bree, had done some research a long time ago where she really looked at the impact that spending time on the floor had and, and how it is one of the biggest predictors. Can you tell me a little bit more of that time in field, time on the on the, on the the floor? Why is it so important?
2: Oh, I think it sets a tone for everything. I mean, first of all, you know, I think we all have experienced where sometimes the decision makers uh may be perceived as being out of touch with people that are out there on the job doing the job i'm not trying to cast dispersions at at any group but that us versus them thing is a real issue it's a real problem it's a morale issue and if someone's making decisions that have never been out here and they don't always make sense there's been some goofy uh policies frankly i've seen over the years where uh it, it just doesn't make sense and and people uh understand it so um, I'll, I'll save some stories for another podcast on that but bottom line is the more we're out with folks everyone has a better understanding of, of what both sides are doing it breaks down barriers uh, and I think people appreciate the fact that their leaders are out there talking to them working with them and uh, and showing respect
1: is there a percentage of time that that a leader should be spending in front of their team members is there an order of magnitude or is it just make a commitment to do better tomorrow
2: yeah, that's a good question. I don't think there's a stock answer in terms of percentage. You could say 10X a time, whatever you're doing, do it, do it more. But I think that the real challenge is part of it is people want to. They just don't have time. And so I know one of the things that we do, we have a, a kind of a, a tool that we use um, to set aside time for folks to get out there. It's a scheduling issue uh, in many ways. So we work with leaders to kind of figure out what can we do with all these various meetings. Can we combine these? Can we get rid of that one and carve out space so we, at least we have a dedicated time uh, to get out there and see folks?
1: That is so important. Too often, what I hear is a message where I, I've reduced the ranks of my frontline leaders, yet I'm expecting them to do so much more. And at the end of the day, what gets done is is usually just the remaining task, and they spend most of the day in front of the computer instead of going in front. So, absolutely agree with what you're saying. Start by by asking what could be removed. What are some of the low hanging fruit, non value added tasks that just should be taken out? Um, and, and do that like as as your first major initiative. Um, any tips for a leader who's maybe new, um, who goes on the floor, who's not sure how to, to how to start conversations?
2: Yeah, ask questions, and that's that's for everybody. But especially if I'm a new leader, people look. People are are smart, and and if I am not, not exactly sure every you know what's going on there, that's all right. Strong leaders show vulnerability. It's a it's smart. It's a strength. It's not a weakness. And asking questions, being authentic, if you genuinely care and you have the right intentions, people have good sensors for that. They under, they they feel it. They understand it. So I think uh, it's it's good for everybody, but particularly new leaders. There's nothing wrong with that. It's it's a sign of strength to to be doing those things.
1: Uh, That's such an important comment, and I think this is something we should expand on in a a, a future podcast. I know for me uh, as a leader really early on in my career, I think uh, probably six, seven years into it, I was given a task, which was to go into a business I knew absolutely nothing about, turn that business around, change everything from an operational standpoint. And that's really where I understood humility from a whole different level because I can solve a single thing. I didn't understand what was going on in front of me. And I was forced to listen and to tap in, to to, 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 to go on the floor, ask my team members to figure out how to solve things. And I had no choice but to listen to, to what they had to say. Um, organizations that do this well, are there any tips and things that you see that are markedly different in those organizations that are really good at this.
2: Oh it's night and day. I mean trust me. You walk in in the first five minutes, ten minutes, you get a feel for culture. I mean immediately. You, you do a site tour, you can you can tell and it it is it's a huge difference and that doesn't mean the you know the the really good organizations it's not fairy dust and unicorns and rainbows and people high-fiving and hugging it's but it's a it's a noticeable difference when you don't have that when you have people that are disengaged when you don't have interactions between folks you get like i said uh, earlier you get some really uh, dumb rules and decisions that are being made and you've got resentment on both sides and there is no discussion we all know for any kind of relationship when the communication uh, goes away people stop talking problems come up so that that communication to me is not just a safety issue it's a it's a barometer it's a litmus test really for for your culture and how well you're running things so if you've got those problems where you don't have people talking to each other you need to address it
1: right away I think that's a, a great point. Uh, one of the themes I want to double-click on, you were talking a little bit in terms of what I call safety participation, so in terms of how do I engage people to make better decisions. Uh, there's some some great work that was done by two NCAT professors, and they call it really open leadership or, or, or uh, fair process, which is really this concept of I have a problem. I, as a leader, I'm used to, to, to solving that problem, but instead of trying to solve it, I'm going to go – and, and involve my team members to come up with solutions. And it doesn't mean I'm creating democracy. It doesn't mean that I'm allowing everybody to do whatever they want, but just asking for input. And at the end of the day, as a leader, I'm going to make the choice, but I'm going to explain that choice. Um, and they've done some huge correlations between that that approach in leadership and success in general in terms of that business. That It, it maybe took more time in the onset to get to a solution, but the end outcome was so much better. Any, any thoughts around that concept of involving team members uh in driving safety forward so a quick
2: example i was working uh, for a steel mill uh in the northern part of the uh, of the u.s years ago and they had a problem with lockout tag out and as, as you all know if you're not locking out equipment particularly in a steel mill you can get hurt or killed in a hurry and so the plant manager's like hey, look if we see somebody that's not locked out they called it a lockout tag out tryout but anyway if we don't see you locked out you're gone and his thinking was, look, we take this seriously, and if you're not following along, you're out of here. And the safety uh, manager or the safety director was smart, and he's like, let's hold on, let's go talk to people, and they actually went out. They got engineers, they've got uh, some supervisors, they got some employees that that are actually operating the equipment and started talking to them. The problem was it was so complicated locking out the equipment, and by the way, they had almost the worst production pressure. I can remember I mean it was brutal, so you couple that with with, with really complicated procedures that take forever to do it 's not surprising sometimes people uh, took shortcuts so bottom line is employees, with the help of some other folks, came up with a way to deenergize the equipment, and half the time, half the steps, they wrote it down really simply, I could understand it you know hit the button after you hit the button, do this. The problem went away immediately. it was not an enforcement issue; it was a communication issue, and by talking to people. People, are again, are smart, and they they are going to come up with good solutions if you let them.
1: That's great. So this time I'm going to say don't hit the button. Keep listening on. We're going to talk more about safety communication in just a second. But in the interim, if you have a couple minutes, go to zeroharmleadership.com, zeroharmleadership.com, to do Josh's safety communication self-assessment to see how you stack up and what actions you can take to make a meaningful difference. We'll be right back. Here we go again with some more great insights and conversations with Dr. Josh Williams here on the Safety Bureau, talking about safety communication. So I want to dial in into another topic, which is peer-to-peer communication. So two employees, how they communicate with each other. Tell me more. What are your thoughts on this?
2: You know, it's a funny thing. Um, when I first started doing this years ago when I was younger and skinnier, I was doing a training in – allentown pennsylvania and i am nervous i've got all my notes i've got them in order i've prepared i've practiced but i am nervous and about 30 minutes in i'm saying something i don't know what i was talking about but this guy stood up in this auditorium and said i have underwear older than you who are you <laughs> to tell me whatever and i was like "Oh." was was not prepared for that my comment was that's a whole other problem you got to deal with that first but it's a it's a real serious mindset um don't tell me what to do um there was a, a famous country song years ago if you mind your own business you won't be minding mine and i think sometimes we take that too far we take it as disrespect someone says something to me you're disrespecting me i've been here 30 years you've been here three Who are you to tell me how to do my job? I'm maintenance. You're operations. You don't know what I'm doing. We have these barriers where we just – bristle at the thought of someone trying to help us so I think it's really important to start trying to break that down when you start thinking about people getting seriously hurt or injured on the job some, you know, some of the listeners Charlie Moorcraft you know good guy and, and a lot of people know was burnt uh, almost on his entire body almost died and, and talks about that story Brad Gardner another uh, uh, individual lost an arm in a potato factory felt the heat he was pulled into an auger he didn't lock it out first all of a sudden he's being pulled in that machine I hate to be gruesome but he had a decision to yank himself out left his arm in the the equipment. And sadly, I've got a ton of those stories just from doing this for a while. If someone has spoken up, if someone had said, Hey man, it doesn't feel right. If you don't lock this out, you can get hurt. Or I was doing the same thing tore up my shoulder. I don't see it happen to you. If we're communicating these things, we're keeping people from getting hurt. We got to start changing that mindset of this isn't disrespect. This is simply me. It's just caring. I don't, I don't want to see it happen to you. And uh, we need to work on that.
1: That reminds me of a story. When I was early on my first leadership role, I remember that I provided some, some some coaching to to somebody from a on a safety standpoint, and she turned around and she started screaming at me and pointing her finger in my face, very close to my nose, and saying, "I could be your grandma." Um, so it, it was. It's not always easy when you have to deal with that. So, uh, any closing thoughts around safety communication as we close off our show for today?
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's one of those things, too. I think, frankly, training, and we incorporate it in some of the stuff that we do, but you have to practice it. It's a skill. We don't all grow up being communications experts. You know, I got into this job because I'm really good at whatever I do, and so I think we we have to work on it. And so a couple quick hitter tips. First is asking questions. You know, the first thing, if, Eric, if you come up and – you know, I'm working on something. I may be, I'm working on a turbine engine. I've been doing this for hours. I don't have the equipment I need. I'm in a confined, you know, kind of a difficult space and you come up, and start telling me what I need to be doing right or wrong. It's going to be a problem. You come up and ask me, how are you doing? Anything I can do to help? What do you need? Asking questions kind of breaks down people's barriers because now we're having a conversation. So I think step one would be asking questions. Of course, showing respect at all times is an obvious one and praising the good stuff too. There's nothing wrong with, it. I don't need a group hug for wearing my hearing protection, but if you know, if I'm going out of my way, helping out a newer employee, I'm uh, cleaning up a spill after my shift, um, you know, a little tip of the cap now and again, is not a bad thing either. I think the last one too, I mean, this may not be a great one to end on, but we got to watch our language, you know, must, never, always. Sometimes, you know, you mentioned I had a, a PhD in psychology. My wife won't mind me saying this, I hope, but it did not prepare me for the first couple months of marriage. And, and part of the funny Part of it was we would get in arguments, and I didn't uh, understand why. And sometimes I would say words that elicited it, like must, never, always. And I finally learned, okay, don't be a dummy. you know, Quit doing that and also say, yes, honey, you're right. But just think about that. In fact, this will be a homework assignment for for the listeners. This will be a a test in social psychology. Either use must, never, or always. As soon as you go home tonight – Uh, As soon as you see the person that you live with, if you live with somebody, tell them they never do something just for fun. Hey, I know you never do this or, or, you know, you always complain about that and then see what happens. And if they start yelling at you, you could say, well, listen to that dang podcast. And the guy said to try it and he was right. Uh, We just got to be careful and mindful sometimes because I think unintentionally uh, we by by accident may um, send the wrong message. Because, again, keep in mind we're all a little – defensive sometimes when it is about our job we take pride in what we do and it, it gets real easy for people to get uh, defensive so I think the last point uh, and I don't want to be soapboxy here I think the last point though we need to consider is talking to people is caring you're looking out for people it's not about telling them what to do and I think changing that mindset goes a long way to preventing those serious uh, injuries and fatalities.
1: Thank you so much uh, for those closing thoughts. So, again, if you have a couple minutes, go to ZeroHarmLeadership.com. ZeroHarmLeadership.com. Do Josh's quick quiz, which will give you some meaningful insights in terms of what you need to do next. And this was, again, Dr. Josh William on The Safety Guru. Thank you so much, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy, distinguish yourself from the pack, grow your success, capture the hearts and minds of your teams, fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.